Hi, my name is Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 36 of the All New Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the monthly live Q&A that went out at the end of December 2022. As always, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. And if you want to support me directly and help me continue to make more content, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. Right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. And this is the first live stream that I've just done with the new opening credit. So hopefully, hopefully that all worked okay. Let me know if it did. Because, um, yeah, I had to do a new... I had to alter the opening credit. Anyway, welcome to the last live Q&A of 2022. This year has gone zooming past, just like all years seem, seem to do these days. Um, and we're going to be doing the format of this show is as usual. It's going to be about 90 minutes long. I'm going to be going through, first of all, all of the questions that I've been asked in advance on the guild over on board game geek if you are not a member of the guild on board game geek join up subscribe there's not much discussion there but obviously there is some discussion there uh and there will be probably some more discussion after today because what happens is some of the questions that i get asked uh in in the next 90 minutes i think oh these are good questions that i'd like to know what other people think uh, and what happens is that gets transferred to, to a question on the board game geek guild and then we get various other people's answers from there so uh yeah, hope everybody's had a good break. If you have had a break, if you've managed to spend some time with uh, friends and family over the last few days um, and, you know, over the next few days as well. Right. So speaking of the guild, oh, we're also going to be doing the contest. We'll announce the winner of uh, last month's contest uh, and we're going to be doing this month's contest as well. And we do have a word, don't we? We have a secret word, I think. Right. OK, so let's jump in. Uh, if you are watching this live and you have any questions for me, uh, please put them into the chat. Start with the word question in capital letters uh, and Vicky will transfer those questions into uh, a working document that I'm working on. I can see people are already doing that because <laughs> you're uh, you're ahead of the game on it. Right. So let's have a go. Here we go. The first question is from Mark. Will I consider sitting down and playing a longish game with us at GridCon 4 instead of a demo? If yes, how about Age of Steam? Uh, would I consider it? It would be. Uh, it might appear rude if I say, no, I'm not going to consider it, but uh, GridCon for me, and for those people who don't know, GridCon is the convention which me and Vicky run together. Uh, I need to be focused on GridCon at running the event and saying hello to people and everything like that. So getting caught up in a long game uh, is, is a bit tricky for me. Um, plus, the other thing is I want GridCon to feel quite open and I don't want GridCon to have the feeling that some other conventions do, and to be fair, some some of GridCon does as well sometimes, is it appears like it's a little bit exclusive. Like, oh, wait a minute, who's that group of people who are getting to play a game with Paul on the Saturday night? Why why, why can't we get to play a game with Paul on the Saturday night? That kind of thing. Um, and although this year I did some demoing, uh, I realised that one of the things from GridCon 3 that I've learned is that I can't be doing as much as I did. I need to be available for doing all of the other things as well. So, yeah, for me to... Uh, set aside x amount of hours to sit down and play a longish game unfortunately that's not something that is likely to happen um at gridcon next question from peter uh which one do i prefer hoplomarcus victorum or mage knight now mage knight is my number one favorite game of all time hoplomarcus victorum is the all new shiny exciting game that i really love which do i prefer i'm gonna have to go mage knight even though Hoplomarcus Victorum right now is like the latest hot game that I want to play more of. 
Uh, and if I had a choice, I'd be playing it every day at the moment because it's just fantastic and I love it. But ultimately, Mage Knight, I think he's still the better game. Uh, Peter is asking in terms of the combat mechanism, which one do I prefer? Well, definitely Mage Knight. I, I mean, I do like the combat mechanism in Hoplomarchus Victorum. It is dice for resolution. I do like the way that the dice work in Hoplomarchus, but ultimately is it, it is a dice for combat system. And whilst I've, whilst I've been enjoying playing it, uh, you know, on reflection, I would definitely prefer uh, the Mage Knight system where you can solve the puzzle and calculate it out and everything like that. Uh, right. Next question uh, from Kenneth. Now, Kenneth, we need to have a discussion uh, afterwards because this is this is a bit of a, a therapy type question. If you could realistically change one thing about your life right now to make it better, uh, what would it be? Uh, and what is currently stopping you from changing it? So yeah, I think Kenneth might have be a therapist in another in another another life. Um, there's lots of things that I want to change uh, about my life um, related to board games and also outside of board games. Realistically, changing them, all of them are possible, but most of them are down to me. I mean, there are certain things that are not possible, like uh, having 100 hours per day, not needing to sleep. Uh, having a time machine and things like that. So they're, they're not possible. I'd love all of those things, just in case you can do that. Um, but in terms of the uh, the things that I can realistically change, all of that is down to me. Uh, and that's down to my uh, time management, self-discipline, and all sorts of stuff like that. That is, that is basically on me to change. Uh, but I've been trying to change that for the last three, four years unsuccessfully. Um, next question from Keith. Now, this, this caused a bit of a discussion on the Slack channel earlier on because I needed uh, um, help in suggesting some games. Keith is asking, what is my favourite auction-based game? Uh, and also, if I get the chance to facilitate a game between Cole Worley and David Thompson, uh, I can. I, I've, I know David. I know David quite well. I'm friends with David. I've played a number of David's games. I, I don't have any... I've never spoken to Cole uh, I might have played one of his games, I'm not sure, but I don't have any relationship with him as a designer or publisher. Um, but going back to the question, favourite auction-based game? So yeah, the reason I spoke about this on the Slack channel is that quite often I get questions like this and I, I think, oh, my brain goes blank. I can't think of think of games. So I ask my Patreon supporters on the Slack channel to come up with uh, auction-based games which they know that I've played and they know that I like. Um, and there's a few that came about. But the discussion was all around where where does something become an auction-based game? Because, for example, Age of Steam has an auction mechanism in it. You you bid for turn order, but that's it. So for me, that's not an auction-based game. Through the ages, when you're colonising uh, other islands, has a bidding mechanism in there. That's an auction, but through the ages is not an auction-based game. So we're thinking prim primarily ones where auction is the core mechanism of the game. And one of the ones that was suggested to me is Isle of Sky. Now, I don't own Isle of Sky. I have played it twice and I thought it was fantastic. Both times that I played it, it was fantastic. And I need to contact Lookout Games because they're releasing a new big box version of Isle of Sky this year. And that's my chance to, I think, to get it. Because, yeah, Isle of Sky I really liked. Um, I've played a lot of Ra in the past. Ra is one of those games that when I transitioned from role-playing games and collectible card games into the world of board games in the late 90s. Ra was one of the first games that I got, and I must have played Ra at least 100, 150 times. I've played it dozens and dozens of times physically, and I've played it quite a bit online and on the app as well. Um, Ra, is, Ra is a great game, right? It's a little bit dated, and I think there are some balance issues with it, but the core 
auction mechanism in RAR is fantastic. Rainer Knizia and a number of the other uh, designers that were very prevalent around the sort of late 90s, early noughties, um, auctioning was a big thing in their games. RAR, Medici is, is, is another one. Um, but also, what was the other one that we were being talked about? Oh, there's quite a few, really. Um, for Sale was mentioned as well. Is For Sale an auction-style game? Sort of, but you're kind of doing it secretly. So I'm thinking auctioning where, you know, open auctioning is, is, is what I'm thinking of. Anyway, next question from Mike. How do I feel about computer games being adapted into board games? Um... Is it worth buying a board game that was adapted from a video game when it plays mostly the same, but it adds a lot of additional upkeep for the player with cardboard and tracks and everything else? So one of my favourite games that's come out this year is Frostpunk the board game. Frostpunk the board game is based on a computer game. So how do I feel about it? If it's done right, I absolutely love it. But I absolutely get what you're saying is that, you know, Frostpunk the board game, love the game. I think it's absolutely fantastic. But you are going through a lot of maintenance, admin, upkeep, moving things up tracks, which would all be handled by the computer game. Um, I don't know of any other computer games that have been turned into board games that I have played and I have liked. Oh, Anno 1800. Great game. Anno 1800 by Martin Wallace came out a couple of years ago. Fantastic. If anybody knows any other computer games that have been turned into board games uh, that I've forgotten about, let me know. I don't know whether there are that many. There are some board games which are clearly inspired by some computer games, maybe, um, but maybe not direct re relation. So Paul Kelly saying, yeah, video game to board game, Sniper Elite. Yep, Sniper Elite. Forgotten about that one. Uh, I've covered that on the channel. Osprey Games, um, designed by Roger Tankersley, David Thompson. Uh, so Sniper Elite, the board game, came out earlier this year um what else have we got jetpack joyride yeah so i got jetpack joyride as a board game which i quite liked actually um i didn't realize that was based on a computer game but yeah lucky duck games did a few uh board game adaptation of, of video games so yeah I, I i think it's fine and i don't have any problem with that admin and upkeep but i will say to you that if you're the kind of person that doesn't like the admin and the upkeep then you're not going to enjoy games like Frostpunk. I personally enjoy that kind of thing uh, as well. Chris is also saying This War of Mine, yep, which I've forgotten about. Uh, and Kit also says Skyrim, which has just come out this year. So actually, there's quite a few. Um, Kingdom Rush as well, yeah. So yeah, quite a few, uh, of which I've, I've played quite a few of them. So yeah, I have no problem with it. Next question from Gavin. What's the limit on what you think is acceptable for the setup and teardown on a game? Well, we've just been speaking about Frostpunk. Um, does this change due to game length? And if so, by how much? Do I use any strategies for speeding up, setup and teardown? So for me, uh, what's the limits of what I think is acceptable for the setup and teardown of game? I don't have any limits. Um, we, you just, we just talked about Frostpunk. Frostpunk has got one of the longest, most complicated setups in a board game that I have seen. Uh, also, most games by Vital Lacerda, the setup might take you 10, 15 minutes. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of pieces on the board. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Does it change due to the game length? Okay, so if Frostpunk took me an hour to set up, it doesn't take an hour to set up, but let's say it took me an hour to set up and an hour to play, it's probably not worth it. But if it's going to take an hour to set up and six hours to play, then it might be worth it. Yeah, Frostpunk doesn't take an hour to set up. It probably takes you maybe 
20, 25 minutes. Uh, once you know it, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Do I have any strategies for speeding up setup and teardown? I don't really. Um, I'm, I'm one of the few people that doesn't find games quicker to set up with inserts. I know that there's a, a running narrative and everybody else thinks that um, if you've got an insert in a game, it speeds up setup time. Generally speaking for me, I'll say no, but it depends on the insert. You know, if you've got uh, an, an insert, for example, it's all right, it's not here. Um, the conditions box that came with the insert for Frosthaven. So Frosthaven has these tiny little counters that represent conditions, and there's about 14, 15 of them. Well, if you've bought the Laser Rocks organizer, you've got this nice little wooden box with all the conditions in, and all you do is you take that out of the big box and you put it on the table, and then you take one bit out and you take another bit out, and there they all are. Okay, I get that, that's much quicker. Where inserts don't speed setup time for me is where the insert is literally just holding the components. It isn't like a, uh, you know, aiding in the gameplay. It's just like, oh, instead of putting them in bags, you would put them in boxes. So, yeah. So um, I don't really have any strategies for games for speeding them up other than. Yeah, no, I don't think I do. Uh, next question from Stephen. When do I estimate videos stroke content will be available for the next games in the Steffenfeld City Collection? Cusco in Vienna. Uh, January. Uh, they are, it's one of my things to do over the next few days is to schedule in players and a time when I am going to be learning Cusco uh, and Vienna, filming them and then getting the videos out there. But I've got to get both videos done before the 20th of January because a courier is coming around on the 20th of January to pick up the games and send them back to Queen Games because they need them for the Nuremberg Trade Fair. Um, so yeah, so I've got to get both videos done. It's it's one of my highest priority jobs for January because it's time dependent. Um, for example, the Frostpunk video also needs to be done by January. But if something happens and I don't get it done by January, nobody's there's not going to be any problems other than that fact that I've delivered that project late. Whereas these, they've got to be done and dusted by the 20th. So that they're kind of niggling at the back of my mind. I need to I need to get on and do that. But yeah, they'll be coming in January. I don't know when the videos will get released. It might be that I do them as live streams for Patreon supporters only. Uh, so if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, you will be able to watch us playing the game live and everything else. But then what I'll do is I'll take the videos down, edit them, and then upload them whenever Queen Games want me to upload them. Uh, next question from Brian. So if everybody's ready for the biscuit-related questions, we have a few, and I'm not going to be able to answer some of these as usual. Brian is asking, what is my biggest gaming surprise of 2022? So I'm I'm going to talk about the games which I, uh, not just games which I really enjoyed, like Revive, Hoplomarchus Victorum, which I expected to like, but ones which I went into them not not expecting to like them, but not really knowing much about them. And the two that stood out for me, I went through Brian, I went, I did a list of all of the games that I've played this year. And there are two that stood out for me as, you know, a surprise. And one of them was Regicide uh, that friends of mine brought round and we played it. And I thought this is just fantastic. And then I made my own copy with a pack of cards. Regicide is a brilliant, brilliant card game. And also Rebuilding Seattle, which is coming out early next year from WizKids. That was a surprise hit for me because it, it just, plays really nicely and is a really solid euro uh, and i want to mention rebuilding seattle because i think it's going to go under the radar for most people what is my biggest biscuit 
based surprise of 2022. I think the only one I can think of is the Loop Hymns, um, which Tony um, sent to me uh, from Belgium, um, only because I'd never heard of them before and they are similar to Jaffa Cakes. So that was a bit of a surprise to find to find those. Not really a surprise, but I was struggling to find one. Uh, apart from getting married, what non-gaming event stroke item stroke thingy are you looking forward to most in 2023? I can't think of anything beyond getting married and games. Is there and the honeymoon when we finally decide where we're going to go and when we're going to go? Uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I can't think of anything going on in my life other than getting married next year and board game related stuff. So, yeah. Um, are there any new to you biscuits that you'd like to try in 2023? I don't know. I, I, I don't keep an eye on on what biscuits are coming out. So I've no idea about that one. But if you've got any ideas in the chat, are there new biscuits or sorry, new to me biscuits uh, that are coming out in 2023? I don't eat that many biscuits. I mean, I eat quite a bit of Jaffa cakes because people keep sending me to them. Next question from Brian. This is not biscuit related, but this is, he says, given that the Oggies have recently been announced, where do I sit on the old school German style games? So I had no idea what, what Brian was talking about here, but I've looked it up. So there is a whole thing on Board Game Geek about these awards called the Oggies, O-G-G-Y. And it's the old school German style games versus the modern Euro games. And apparently there is a debate and there's a spectrum about these two styles of games. Um, and basically, yeah, he's asking, where do I sit on it? So if you're interested in this, go and look it up. Just do a search for OGGY Board Game Geek and you'll find more information. But correct me if I'm wrong. As I understand it, the old style German games, the ones that came out 15, 20, 25 years ago, and we talked about some of them. We talked about RA. Um, those compared to modern Euro games tend to be a lot more streamlined, a lot more simple rules, and not with lots and lots of exceptions and, you know, extra complications and things like that. And I've never heard of this before, but as I read about it and I looked into it, I was thinking, actually, yeah, you're right. You know, when we played a game the other day um, by Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer, The Palaces of Carrara, and... The second edition has just come out for that game, which is basically a tweaked version of the first edition. But that's a game which I don't think normally would come out from other publishers if it weren't from uh, those two well-known designers. Because there isn't enough oomph in it. You know, most modern Euro games that are coming out now, they all, a lot of them have the kitchen sink thrown in and lots of extra bits. Oh, and there's this bit and there's this bit. And there is something nice sometimes about the raw simplicity of some of those old style German games, such as, you know, Ra and, and, and things like that. They don't make them like that anymore. And where do I sit on the, on the spectrum? I have to be honest, I'm probably more towards the newer end. But having played a couple of those older ones, there is still a place. And I think, to be honest, I think a lot of modern Euro games now do tend to go a bit too far. There's no need to have all of that stuff in there but if you don't have that stuff in there everybody's saying well it's just like that one it's just like that one so yeah i i get why uh you know and if i was designing my own modern euro game and i was going to go right i'm going to design my own game and it's going to be on kickstarter it's going to make half a million I, i'm going to go oh it's going to have that and it's going to have these minis and it's going to have this in it it's going to have that in it because you've got to get these hooks to get people in if I went on Kickstarter with a, oh, I've designed a German style board game from 20 years ago, which is relatively simple rules, but really clever gameplay. 
it's not it's not going to be of any interest people don't want that now um in general and that's a shame Last question, if I was to pick one biscuit which typifies old, typifies old school German style games and one biscuit which typifies modern Europe, I can't answer that. <laughs> I mean, for old school German style games, you're probably looking at something very, very simple, obviously dry. Um, that was a that was a pun there. Digestives, yeah, something like digestives or rich tea, you know, really nothing in them. Um, and if we talk about a biscuit which typifies modern euro games i i don't know i mean maybe the jaffa cake because you've got this in and then that in and you've got all sorts of extra bits in but anyway good question i'm just not sure of the answer i think brian writes these questions knowing that i'm not going to be able to answer them moving on james what has been my favorite uh what year has been my favorite so far for board game releases this, James, is a question which is going to get asked on the Guild. So if Chrissy is watching, and I think Chrissy is watching, what's going to happen is Chrissy is going to go to the Guild, probably right now, and is going to post that question. So it's a question from James, uh, and it's which year has been your favourite so far for board game releases, and probably why. And as I mentioned earlier on, if you're not on the Guild, head on over to the Guild. What you need to do is go to Guild. It's Guild number 2258. If you click Join, you'll join the Guild but then you also need to click subscribe. If you don't click subscribe, you won't see anything from the guild. Um, so yeah, make sure you go there, make sure you join, make sure you subscribe. And in a few minutes time, there will be a thread on there of what year has been your favorite year for board game releases. The first one that jumps out to me is 2016. 2016 was an extremely good year for board game releases. We got Great Western Trail, we got Terraforming Mars, we've probably got loads of other ones, but 2016, I think, was a standout year but I do want to say that every single year there are a massive amount of games that come out that I'm excited about so I'm excited about every year you know this year alone we've had Frostpunk we've had Endless Winter we've had Hoplomarchus Victorum we've had you know Frosthaven we've had Revive you know I could list 10 15 20 games that came out this year that are all fantastic so every year is a good year for me but 2016 uh, is another good one. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly go off on a tangent. I am going to go to Board Game Geek and I'm going to type in Board Game Geek into in Board Game Geek accidentally. I'm going to type in Gloomhaven. Right, so I'm now going to pull up the board game rankings um, of all time. Let's just get that out. So according to BGG, oh, I've done this wrong. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, here we go. Rank. Rank overall. And if I click on that and then I go to the top, why have I decided to pick a game which is ranked 6,997? Right, here we go. So at the top 10 games on Board Game Geek, 2017, 2018, 2015, 2021, 2017, 2016, 2020, 2016, Star Wars Rebellion, 2011, 2017, 2017. So it looks like 2016 and 2017 were probably the two best games for board games, just looking at BGG's uh, top 20 games. So yeah, there we go. 
Right, next up, uh, George Offs, um, what are my New Year's resolutions relative to gaming? So I don't normally make New Year's resolutions because uh, from a psychological point of view, that is yet another thing to beat myself up over when I don't achieve it. I have stuff that I would like to do, but I've had these things for the last two or three years uh, and I'm still not in the place that I want to be. It's basically uh, play more games, have more fun um, and actually make more of an effort to play more games, which sounds silly, I know, but um, I, I lose a lot of time due to um, procrastination and various other issues. Um, and if that time was spent playing board games, I'd probably be much happier. But also we've got we've got some campaign games. We've got ISS Vanguard, we've got Oathsworn, we've got Frosthaven. Uh, I've got Hoplomarchus Victorum, I've got Frostpunk. I could get no more games for the whole of this year and just spend the year playing those and it'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, and one thing I would like to do this year is to find more time to play these uh, campaign style games because otherwise they're sitting on the shelf and that's 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 not doesn't give me good feelings. Um, you know, when they're there, there's lots of enjoyment to be had and yet other things get in the way of doing it. So, yeah, definitely play more games. Uh, Georgius also wants to know, how do I think that the hobby will evolve during the next year? I think the prices uh, of games it will probably settle down a bit. It's been rising a lot over the last 18 months for various reasons of what's going on in the world. I'm hoping that prices start to stabilise. I think the shipping situation is also started to stabilise as well. So cross fingers. Uh, I think things are going to start settling down into a new norm. But I think that new norm is, is higher prices overall for everybody. Um, what game was a hidden gem for me and which game didn't fill its shoes for 2022? Well, I mentioned Rebuilding Seattle earlier on. Technically, that's not a, that's not a 2022 game. I got sent a copy of it, which is a finished copy of the game. It's been produced. It's done. And WizKids wanted me to cover it on the channel. And we agreed a date and I covered it. And then they said, oh, yeah, this isn't coming out until Q1 2023. And I'm like, well, why have I covered it now? It did seem a bit unusual. But Rebuild, Rebuilding Seattle is a 2023 game, but that's one that I played this year, played it a few times, took it to a few board game meetups. Everybody who played it said it's a really good game. Um, so yeah, that was that was definitely a, a hidden gem for me. Uh, which game did not fill its shoes for 2022? So I looked back at all of the games that I played in 2022. There are a few of them which I really didn't enjoy and are games which I uh, would would not choose to play again uh, and one of those games was a little bit of a surprise it was nightmare cathedral uh, now nightmare cathedral i covered it when it was on kickstarter uh, and it, it, it did really well and i kind of wanted to like the game um but the game just did not gel with me at all uh, and i got friends who played it the other people who i played it with enjoyed it but for me that that game just i don't know there was something about the game that just didn't sit well with me um so yeah so there's there's one one hidden gem and one that yeah i wasn't too keen on was 2022 a good year of gaming for me and was it the same for the industry i i think it was an okay year for the industry compared to previous years where where shipping has stopped and nobody's getting any games um i think some as i mentioned earlier on i think some fantastic games have come out this year um and it was a good year for me in terms of, I look back at all of the games. As I say, I did a whole list earlier on of every single game that I've played this year. And looking down that list with a few exceptions, it was like, this was really good. This was really good. This was really good. So I played a lot of great games. 
Um, I would have liked to have played more ISS Vanguard. I would have liked to have played, I would have liked to have got started with Frosthaven and things like that. Um, so I would have liked to have done more of those, but the games that I did play, generally speaking, pretty good. Uh, which gaming aspects am I looking forward to and what's my biggest gaming fears for 2023? Um, similar to what I've just mentioned, my fear is that I get to the end of 2023 and Oathsworn is still sat there and Frosthaven is still sat there. And, you know, ISS Vanguard, oh, I can't even think about that. ISS Vanguard still sat there at the end of 2023 with me not having played it. No, I, I can't let that happen one way or the other. So yeah, I have a fear that these games... Are, are not going to get played and that's down to me to to make the time to play them and and there is only a limited amount of time in each day so by me saying oh you know it's not it's not just as easy for me to create time to play these games i've got to change my approach i've got to reduce the amount of time that i lose for various things i need to cut out various things um you know in order to uh, to, to make time to play these games i don't know how it's going to happen i don't know when it's going to happen but I, I want it to. Next question from Roger. How much of my enjoyment of a typical Euro is due to the social interaction and how much due to the puzzle solving aspect? So for me, it's mostly the puzzle. And this is why I like the solo versions of games which don't really differ that much from the multiplayer game. So because I like the game, I like to be doing the thing in the game the puzzle the puzzle aspect of the game and the efficiency engine and, and all of that stuff that's the bit that i like about the game i like the game uh mechanically for what it's trying to do and what i'm trying to do in the game the social i mean i, I do always prefer to play games with other people rather than solo um but in terms of do i prefer you know would i play a bad game if it meant good social interaction and it's like no I, I would still hate that it doesn't matter how good the company is if the game's not good i'm not going to enjoy the game um so yeah for me it's more about the game itself and a related question from roger if i'm playing online do i prefer to play against somebody i know or is that irrelevant as long as it's the game that i like so going back years ago i would be playing on the online gaming platforms and i would be playing against random people i would literally just create a game and random people would join it or i would go on and go oh such and such a game's happening i'll join that but where i am now is i only play games online with friends and patron supporters um and the reason for that is one of the um i i, th I think it's one of the perks of being a patron supporter of mine is that you get access to the slack channel and the slack channel we have an online gaming channel um and i'm i'm assuming and please tell me if you're watching this live or leave me a comment afterwards if you're one of my patron supporters um and you've been playing some games with me online is is that a good thing for you do you think oh i've become a patron supporter of paul to support what he does and su to support his channel i didn't realize that i'd actually get a chance to play some games with him online um i'm kind of assuming some people do like that about the fact that you know i engage with people and i join in these games um at which point it it just because i like to give my patron supporters as much as i can back because without their support uh this channel isn't it isn't happening and i'm gonna have to go and find another job as a taxi driver or something like that or i could get a job cleaning out gutters because that's what i've done this afternoon and uh well it was good i've left all of the wet leaves in front of the garage by the way um so yeah so right now 
I only play games against patron supporters uh, and friends and things, things like that. So, right, next question, and this is the last one before we go to the live questions. This is from Brian. Do I have a favourite pirate-themed game? Uh, and he's wondering if I have an opinion on Merchants and Marauders. I have not played... I don't think I've played Merchants and Marauders. I remember playing a pirate game a long time ago. Probably 12, 13 years ago, maybe. Maybe longer. And the only thing I remember about this game is there was a part of the game where we found a chest full of treasure and we drew a card. And the card, some of the cards were worth one point and some of the cards were worth four points. And I hated it because mechanically that is a badly designed game. I'm sorry, but if you're designing a game which players go to a certain level of effort in order to get a treasure card and then that treasure card is randomly worth between one and four points, saying that Eclipse has the same mechanism for the for the points, which I think is an awful mechanism. Um, so I can't remember what that game was. But other than that, I've not played Merchants and Marauders. I have heard good things about it. Buccaneer. No, I don't think it was Buccaneer. Well, I don't think so. I think Buccaneer is a very old game. Um, anyway, so I've been through, again, I went to Board Game Geek and I pulled up all of the pirate-themed games. Now, I don't have that many of them. We've got Dead Reckoning, which is very good. Um, possibly a little bit fiddly in terms of the card management. I always get a bit confused as to the cards are here, where they're going here, that, but it's it's a good game. I've got Maracaibo. It comes up as a pirate-themed game, but I don't view Maracaibo as a pirate-themed game, um, even though it's set in that part of the world at that time in history. Madeira is not a pirate-themed game, but it has pirates in it. Um, and there is one game that most people have probably never heard of, and this is a game called Ultramare uh, from 2004. Brilliant game. Really, really enjoy Ultramare. First edition of Ultramare came out in a tiny little box about this big, uh, and then it got picked up by a bigger publisher and made into a big, big size box. Um, but yeah, if you've got a favourite pirate-themed game, let me know. Right, just before we move to the live questions, a couple of things. First of all, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, big thank you to all of my patron supporters for funding the channel. Uh, like many content creators, uh, I rely on the financial support of the Patreon in order to keep the channel going. If you are uh, watching this video and you want to support me directly and help me carry on making more videos, not just these videos, but other videos as well, uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. A big thank you uh, in advance if you do become one of my patron supporters. As I mentioned, patron supporters do get some exclusive um, perks, like they get access to the Slack channel, uh, can talk to me about pretty much anything they want to, uh, can join the online gaming community that we've set up, um, lots of other things that have been going on and get access to some behind the scenes exclusive footage that I do as well. The second thing is the contest. So every month I do a contest where you can win £50 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. Now £25 of that comes from Games Law themselves, so thank you very much to Paul from Games Law for supporting my channel by uh, basically giving me £25 to give away to somebody else and the other £25 comes from me um, and to win the contest all you need to do is enter a form and use the secret word the secret word today is going to be gingerbread because Board and Dice, a publisher who I've worked with for a few years sent us a Christmas gift box hamper thing which included uh, all of the stuff needed to make gingerbread did you use the um, the roller with the meeples on? You did, but they haven't. It hasn't come out, has it? 
Okay, so yeah, so gingerbread. We have not had chance to decorate them yet because you said that the icing didn't work thing. Okay, but yeah, gingerbread is the secret word. So all you need to do, if you're watching this video, uh, either if you're watching this live, do it now, or if you're watching this back afterwards, you can do it uh, afterwards. These videos tend to get about 1,500 views. The number of people that enter the contest is normally about 100. So less than 10% of people enter the contest. You could enter the contest. There's, there's nothing to stop you entering it. Just, just click on the link, go to the form, put in the secret word of gingerbread, and let me know if you're a patron supporter because patron supporters get two entries into the list. Uh, and if you're not a patron supporter, you get one entry into the list. Um, normally it works out that one in three winners each, each um, uh, are patron, uh, sorry, one in three people are usually non-patron supporters, two in three people that win, or maybe three out of four are patron supporters. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's that. Now, in terms of the winner from last month, the winner from last month is George V. Now, George V came, became a patron supporter in November, then entered the contest for the last month's live Q&A and won. I have not been able to get hold of George. So George, I have contacted you over email a couple of times and I've sent you a message. Um, if you're watching this video, please get in contact with me. Check your junk mail. Um, but yeah, and if anybody knows George V, please let him know that he's, he's won the contest. When does this month's contest close? This month's contest will close on the day before the next live Q&A. So the next live Q&A will be the 25th of January, 2023. So you have until the 24th of January. So if you're watching this video and it's the 23rd of January, 2023, and you think, oh, I've missed the contest, you haven't. You can still enter it. As I say, just click in the form, secret word is gingerbread. Hmm. It's a bit spicy, isn't it? Nice. Right, so moving on to the live questions. So all the people that have been in the chat and have asked me the live questions, I haven't had time to prepare for any of these whatsoever. So Brendan is asking, what do the cats think of the Christmas tree? And what did the cats get for Christmas? So we're quite lucky in that our cats don't bother with the Christmas tree. I think the first year we got it, the first year we got a Christmas tree and we had the cats, we put tinsel on the bottom and I think they were batting at the tinsel, uh, but we don't do that anymore. So yeah, the cats don't really bother with the Christmas tree. Occasionally, if one of the decorations would fall off, they'll have a play with that, but no, they don't bother with it. What did the cats get for Christmas? They got some treats. They got some treats from Beck and Lou. So Vicky's sister also has cats. So what happens is each year, her cats get our cats a present and our cats get her cats a present. What did we get? Just, just treats? Yeah, we just got them some treats, edible treats. Uh, we did get a new toy for Loki. Because Loki used to have a toy about a year ago that he would absolutely love and he would go completely mental over. So we got him a new toy. It's basically a bit of a feather on a springy thing and he just goes absolutely crazy for it to the point where we have to put it away and put it in a box and then he'll be jumping on the table and walking around the box to try and find it again. So we got him that. Um, so that's good. Next question from Tim. Have I looked at the new City Collection games that are due in 2023? Uh, so they are downstairs. The <clears throat> excuse me, the prototype versions of Cusco and Vienna are downstairs right now. I haven't opened the boxes, but I did get a chance to play Vienna at Essen, uh, and I got a chance to look at Cusco. So I have played Vienna, um, and I, I enjoyed it. Vienna is based on La Isla, but it's a much more complicated version of it. So if you imagine the standard 
uh, weight of all of these games, and I'm talking board game mechanisms and complexity, not just the physical weight, apart from New York City, which is a bit lighter, um, Hamburg, Amsterdam, Marrakesh, they're all similar. If you look at Le Isla, it's a much, much, much lighter game. So what they've done is they've taken the core mechanisms of Le Isla and they have added to it and adapted it. And it is now in turn into Vienna. And Vienna is a game which is as complicated uh, as, you know, as all of the other ones in the series, roughly speaking. So I enjoyed Vienna because Co. I've not really... I mean, it looks great, but I've not really had a chance to dive into it. Um, but yeah, you'll find out. I'll be doing videos on those this year. Next question from Monica. Do I choose not to set any New Year's resolutions? I, man I mentioned this one earlier on. Uh, or do you choose non-gaming New Year's resolutions and leave gamey ones behind? So no, I generally speaking, uh, whilst I might have in my mind things that I'd like to do differently next year, um, I, I don't set the resolution for myself because as I say, it's just, it, it gives me more ammunition to feel bad about myself and I, I don't need any more of that. Um, next question, what, what is my game haul after Christmas? Um, so I didn't, I don't really get games at Christmas. Um, I don't really buy myself any games at Christmas. I already have too many games and I already have more games on the horizon coming in. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't think, apart from the copy of Telestrations that we bought from game, <laughs> um, yeah, Christmas is not a time when I get new board games. And that's not a bad thing. As I say, I've already got too many board games. And certainly with Essen only a couple of months ago, no, I've, I've gained 15, 20 new games in the last couple of months. So um, yeah, it, it's all Christmas for me. Um, next question from Dan. What is the most complex game you have played or given up on? Oh, that's a good question, Dan. And there is a game which has sprung to mind. So let me just look this up on BoardGameGeek. It is a game which a friend of mine bought, and this is about 15 years ago. And at that time, we were playing like, oh, I found it. Uh, we were playing, so some of us were playing super complex games. Uh, and the heavier, the better. And the bigger the rule set, the better. Uh, and there was this one game, uh, and it's designed by Francis Tresham. Now, for those people who don't know, Francis Tresham is the guy who designed 1829, which was the first 18xx game, I think. He's also the same guy that designed Civilization, which is, used to be my number one favourite game. So Francis Tresham, absolute genius, uh, ahead of his time, uh, sadly died a few years ago. Um, anyway, he designed a game called Revolution, the Dutch Revolt, 1568 to 1648. Came out in 2004. So yeah, it was probably 2004 or 2005 that we sat down and tried to play this game. And it was by far the most complicated game that we've ever played. We didn't even finish the first round and we didn't go back to it. Now... We, we wanted to, because this game came out and we looked at it and we looked at the depth of this game and we looked at the board and we looked at the complexity of the game and we all thought, all of the people that wanted to play it thought, right, this is going to be the game. This is going to be the game which we are all going to spend the next year trying to learn and then we're eventually going to play it, but it's going to be fantastic. And unfortunately, we just, we just didn't get around to it. So that, I've, I've played a few, but that's the first one that sprung to mind. I think that might be another good question for the guild. So, Chrissy, if you don't mind, 
The question is from Dan Palmer, and it is, what is the most complex? What is the most complex game that you've played? And in fact, we'll, we'll we'll tweak the question slightly. Not just what's the most complex game that you've played. What's the most complex game that you tried to play, but gave up on? Either you didn't finish the first game, or you didn't even get it to the table because the rule book was too complicated. Which one of those? Uh, yeah. So I, th I think that I've, I've tweaked Dan's question. If you don't mind, Dan. What is the most complex game you've tried to play, but you didn't manage to succeed for whatever reason? And, and I think that would be that would be mine. Right, next question from Adrian. Uh, his game of 2022 didn't make my list. Have I played my father's work? And if so, what did I think? So no, he didn't make uh, my list because I've not played it, but friends of ours, Mark and Sally, they've got it, they've played it, they said it's fantastic. Every year, hundreds and hundreds of games come out. And every year I play as many as I can. Uh, well, no, I don't play as many as I can. If I really wanted to, I could play more. Um, but every year, lots and lots of games come out, which are apparently good games and people like them. And I just don't get a chance to try them. And I've learned over the last few years that I just need to accept that and I need to move on. However, there are a couple of games which people tell me about that I think... I definitely want to give that one a try. And My Father's Work is one of them. Um, we talked about it on the Gaming Rules Patreon supporters uh, get together that we had over on Discord on, uh, when was that? 26th, two days ago, Monday, uh, it was mentioned. So yeah, uh, I, I, I fancy taking a closer look at it because it does look interesting. Um, that's one of the games that have come out this year that, that I might want to have a look at. Um, Next question from Brendan. Am I going to play any more computer games on the channel once your schedule lightens up? Oh, I'd love to, Brendan. Uh, I really would. And in fact, earlier on today, I said to Vicky, what are we doing tonight? And my backup plan, because, I, because you know, I didn't tell her what I was thinking of, but I really fancied playing a bit of computer game stuff and doing it as a live stream for Patreon supporters. So that's what I fancied doing tonight. But apparently I'm needed downstairs. So, uh, yeah, I'm only joking. But yeah, that's I, I can do that. No, no, I can't. We've got to spend time together. <laughs> you don't want to spend time with me. All right. OK, Vicky doesn't want to spend time with me. So tonight I will be playing a computer. I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many computer games. Uh, Frostpunk uh, is, is an amazing computer game. I love it. It's very long, and that's the problem with all of these games that I want to play and I want to live stream. They like take 20, 30 hours to play, and I, I just don't have that amount of time. Uh, there's a new one that I've just been sent a Steam key for, which looks really good, which is a cross between Anno uh, and Banished, and yeah, there's a few of them. So yeah, my schedule lightening up. I mean, I was hoping that last year was the year, or sorry, this year was the year when my schedule would lighten up. We all know how the last few months has gone, so I can't make any promises. Um, next question from Zod. I like the Keshi mechanism. Oh, we're talking Marrakesh here, but do not like the Keshi Tower in Marrakesh. Uh, I do not think it is built to past, maybe to last. Any suggestions on alternative methods? Yeah, so for those people who don't know, Marrakesh is a game where it's the new it's one of the new city collection games from Steffenfeld, published by Queen Games. And the, the, the Keshi Tower that you throw the Keshis into has come in for a lot of criticism uh, because most of them come out. And what happens is each round, you each player selects three Keshis to use. And then all of the Keshis from all the players collect together and get thrown in the Keshi Tower. 
The Keshis then come out and then you draft them. So you might choose the ones that you put in, you might not. Um, but a lot of people have said that the Keshis are just, they're all falling out. And in a two player game, they're all just going through. I, I'm, I'm not sure. The My view on it is you don't even need the Keshi Tower. The game works perfectly well without the tower. Um, I don't know another way in which you can uh, replicate the system, but it is by design that most of the Keshis will come out and maybe the tower might keep one or two in there. It is not designed... Uh, and the same with Frostpunk. Frostpunk, you're putting the coal, the coal in the generator. Most of it's coming out. Very rarely will things actually stay in. And even when they do stay in, they might get knocked out next time. So I think the Keshi Tower and the generator in Frostpunk, they are designed physically that most of the stuff that's put in the top will come out and very few of it will, will get caught. Um, but I, I don't know any other way other than, you know, rolling a... a, a rolling some dice for each one to see whether it comes out or not and that's that's just a bit of a pain so i wouldn't do that um monica any game wishes for next year yes and we've, we've mentioned this a couple of times more time to play these games i'll tell you what if i get to the end of 2023 and i have played the iss vanguard campaign and i've played oathsworn and i've played some of frosthaven there's no way i'm going to finish frosthaven uh and we've maybe done another tainted grail campaign and we've played through Morton Medieval Detective, right? Now, not, this is not going to happen because ISS Vanguard is probably about, what was somebody telling me? Maybe 50, 60 hours. So we're looking at probably 20 sessions of that. Well, if we played every two weeks, then that's the year gone. And that's just ISS Vanguard. If we also add in Oathsworn, which is 25, no, 22, 21, 22 chapters. So, okay. So we play that every two weeks and then Oathsworn will be done and finished. Uh, if we then play Frosthaven, we'll probably play that every two weeks, right? And then we've got other stuff. So we're playing Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth at the moment, which I'm really enjoying, but we're playing that every two weeks. Um, you know, Vicky's sat here right next to me, so it's difficult for me to... What I'm saying is there are many people that I know who are gaming couples and they play games together three or four times a week. Vicky's not a gamer. Vicky doesn't choose to play games... Uh, voluntarily as a hobby uh, and apart from the odd exception it's not something that she enjoys playing so whereas in my dream world we'd be like okay so tuesday nights is tainty grill wednesday nights is oathsworn thursday nights we'll have a night off you know fr and friday night we'll play frosthaven and then monday oh and then the weekend will come and we'll play some iss right that that's not going to happen we will play games together usually once every two weeks and there just isn't the time to fit all of those in. So the other answer is that I don't play those games with Vicky and I play them with somebody else. The problem then is I want to play them with Vicky. And it's just... So yeah, we, we need to sit down and we need to decide which ones you actually want to play. Um, and I might have to just go off and have an affair with some other people and play games. Well, it's the equivalent of having an affair, isn't it? I think it is. There should be websites set up for gamers... Yeah, I'm going to, that's it. I'm going to go into business. I'm going to create a website right now for gamers who want to have an affair and sneak off from their significant other and play games with other people. It'll be fine. Vicky, stopped answering me. Next question. Right. Uh, Monica. No, that was that one. Next one is from The Sweeples. Where do you place Weather Machine in a list of Vital Lacerda games regarding weight? Oh, 
Now that is a that is a good question. So yeah. Now I think on Mars is still his heaviest game. So on Mars is definitely his heaviest game. People always say the gallerist is his lightest game. And it might be. I mean, it's still a super complicated game. <laughs> but you've got Gallerist and probably Escape Plan nearer the bottom. You've got Lisboa, Vinyos, and Kanban. I think Kanban... Uh... The thing is with Weather Machine, and I might upset a few people by saying this, including Vittel if he's watching, I find Weather Machine a bit opaque in terms of the connection between the mechanisms and the theme and the setting. I find a lot of his other games, Kanban, uh, Lisboa, even, you know, even Vinyos, one of his earlier games, the things that you're doing in the game make sense. You're going to the wine fair, you're getting these experts, you're brewing, the, you're doing all of that stuff. Yes, it's a super complicated game and it all, you know, there's a lot of rules, but it kind of all makes sense. In Weather Machine, I found it was... Uh, much more opaque in terms of what are you doing? Well, you're moving that piece to there, which gets you this, which does that. And I, I was losing the connection. So for me, Weather Machine feels heavier than the others um, because I was struggling to actually, you know, match the mechanisms in the game to understanding what was going on. Um, but in terms of stepping back from the personal thoughts on it and looking at it objectively, I, I'm not sure. I think it's probably up there, um, lower than on Mars, might be lower than Lisboa. I'm not sure. I've not played Lisboa for quite a while, actually. Um, yeah. Next question from Frederick. Uh, so far this year, what, is your, what has been my most memorable stream stroke video? Now, that's a question, Frederick, that would have been great to have asked me in advance. So, Frederick, if you're watching this, uh, and you're not on the BGG Guild, definitely join the BGG Guild, because if that is a question which you'd have put on the Guild, uh, I would have had time to go through all of the videos that I've done this year uh, and try and remember them. Um, I don't have time right now as we're watching this to go back through all my videos, and I'm I'm struggling to remember. I mean, I can remember the last one I did. I did Hoplomarchus Victorum. That was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that might be a question that I might have to come back to. But how about we have that as a question on the guild anyway for other people? So yeah, let, let's have another question on the guild. The guild's going to be busy tonight. The question is from Frederick, and Frederick was asking me the question, but I'd like to ask the question to you. Of all of the live streams or videos that I've done this year, what was the most memorable one and why? Was there something that happened in a live stream that was just fun, uh, or was there, was there something else that was the most memorable for you? So, yeah, I'm going to put this question back to, to other people. And if you're watching this live, um, feel free to put your, your answer in the chat and let me know. Or leave me a comment in this video if you're watching this video. Um, but if you want to head over on to the Build Game Geek Guild, there will be another question appearing. I can hear Chrissy typing right now. Um, of, yeah, what was your most enjoyable video? And I will get that thread and I will see it. And then I'll have a think back and I'll, I'll give you my answer on it. Speaking of Chrissy, we've got a next question. How are the gym sessions going? And am I still enjoying them? The gym sessions are going. We've we've managed to maintain um, regular attendance because the gym had a an offer or a like a prize thing that if every time you went, they stamped a card, 
uh, and you got entered into a prize draw. That encouraged us to go more. And in fact, they're doing another one now for the next six weeks to encourage people to go back more. So that is encouraging us to go. Um, but I've not been enjoying them. I've, I've been really struggling over the last, well, six weeks or so. Some of you know some of the things that have been going on with me. Um, and it, it all ties together. But I've been going and within five to ten minutes of being there, I've not been enjoying it. And I've been really struggling and I've just been getting fed up and wanting to come home. Um, and I'm not seeing any benefit uh, of them whatsoever. So all of the, all lots and lots of issues that I was having beforehand that I thought going to the gym might help with that, even in some way, uh, have not really been helping. Um, I need to go more and I need to do more. We did go yesterday and we're probably gonna go tomorrow. We should go tomorrow. So we're going and I'm doing some, which is better than nothing. Um, that's the way I'm viewing it. Uh, next question from Brendan. Is Heat now my number one Formula One game or are more plays still required? Potential for a championship video series. Now, yeah, it's a good question. So Heat, pedal to the metal. Uh, I've covered it on the channel. I've played it three times myself. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic game. It is a very good, exciting racing game. It's based on Formula One from the 60s. Uh, Days of Wonders, latest game that's come out this year. We talk about it in the top 10 games of 2022 video, which went live about an hour ago or two hours ago. Um, is it my number one Formula Formula One racing game? I need to go back to championship Formula Racing because Heat is great and was fun and was exciting. But it's not modern Formula One. It doesn't have tyre choices. It doesn't have pit stops. It doesn't have all of those strategic things that are in what I want out of a full Formula One uh, game. But it was very, very good. So yeah, I need to I need to play it more. Although I'm, I'm sure my opinion of Heat is only going to get better once I've added in the extra modules. Um, I just need to play other Formula One racing games to compare. Monica has got another question. Do I have a good game? Do I have a good game I bring out when I need to relax? For me, it's Selenia. Uh, no, I don't actually. I don't have um, a game when I need to relax. Is there a board game that I turn to? I don't think I do. Um, I've got board games that I play on the computer, either, you know, digital versions of the games, or I've got the um, the online games that we play against patron supporters. I enjoy those. I use those as a, a way of playing extra games, but also having a bit of downtime. But I don't tend to have a board game that I get if I need to relax. Um, I very rarely play board games if I'm not live streaming, live streaming them. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't have one of those. Next question from Dark Mind. Have I played any prototypes this year that is going to be really good in a future release? Yes. Some of them I can't talk about. Um, I mean, I played Vienna. We talked about Vienna earlier on. Um, I've got to play that at Essen. That was a prototype. That's going to be going to Kickstarter early next year. So that's going to be really good, I think. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There's a couple of others that I can't talk about, which I'm aware of, that I'm quite excited about for next year. Um... But yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I don't do, I don't do as much on the old prototyping and testing and development as I used to. I used to do quite a bit of that, mainly for Czech Games Edition, but I don't do much of that anymore. Um, and rule books as well. Now that I'm no longer writing and editing rule books, I was writing those and I was playing the prototypes of games. So I, you know, if you'd have asked me this question last year, it would have been ISS Vanguard, Frostpunk, uh, you know, 
what was the other one? Endless Winter, um, Dead Reckoning. You know, there was there was four rule books, four or five rule books that I was working on last year that this year have come out. Oh, Oathsworn. You know, I did most of the rule book for Oathsworn as well. Those games that I was writing the rule books for over the last two or three years, they've come out this year. Um, so I played prototypes of them. But right now, there isn't many prototypes that I've played. Uh, what did I think of Amst uh, Amsterdam and Hamburg, says Jason. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of Steffenfeld and I love um, the games that they're based on. I thought Bruges is a fantastic game. The bit that I didn't like about Bruges was the, the random card draw and the fact that there's only two decks. So they fixed that in Hamburg and now you've got five decks and you take whatever colour card you want. Uh, Amsterdam is a new version of Macau. Uh, it's fixed one of the little issues that I had with it uh, in the fact that you could teleport your goods uh you know you pick them up in a city district and then you teleport them to your ship even though it's thousands of miles away that didn't seem to work so they they fixed that um i think they're both good games i get the criticism that the games are very expensive i mean the price of games is going up a lot anyway uh but the city collection from queen games they are expensive games um i'll be honest with you i was a bit disappointed by the artwork for both hamburg and amsterdam i really didn't like it i thought it was shockingly bad uh, and I was happy to see that the artwork for the for the later games is a lot better. Uh, Marrakesh, I think he's, he's great. I have no problems with that from an artwork and graphic design point of view. Um, but I thought Hamburg and Amsterdam, I thought the artwork was, was very poor. So I, I assume it's a different artist. And I assume that Queen Games are no longer using those those artists. But as games, I yeah, I enjoyed them as games. Uh, next question. Uh, what time are we? Six o'clock. We've got time for a few more questions. Um, so Zod is asking, what do I think is the most punishing Frostpunk, This War of Mine or Robinson Crusoe? Now, I've not played This War of Mine, the board game, so I can't answer that. But I think Frostpunk is more punishing than Robinson Crusoe. I have played Robinson Crusoe a few times and I've played Frostpunk a few times as well. I think Frostpunk is the harder game, but that could be just because I'm not very good at it. I mean, I've played Frostpunk a few times now and I just keep dying on round six or seven, like with absolutely no chance at all, not even close. And then I'm hearing all of these reports from other people. That, oh, yeah, we managed to succeed. And I'm like, how did you succeed? Because although I lost the game on round six or seven, I could tell by round four or five that I was on a losing spiral. The wood starts running out and you have no way of getting extra wood. The coal starts running out. It's getting colder. You need more coal to fuel the generator but the cold's running out and you're having to... So yeah, and then more more and more people are getting sick. So I need to play Frostpunk a lot more because I've, I've no idea how to win, uh, even the base scenario. So right now, I think the most punishing for me is Frostpunk. Robinson Crusoe can be punishing, but I don't think it's as hard. Uh, next question from Monica. What is the game with the longest title that you've played? Well, that's a very good question. And... Do you include subtitles in that? Because Endless Winter is not just Endless Winter, it's Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans. Through the Ages is, through the ages, a new story of civilization. So I've actually played some games with very long titles, if you include the full title. Um, so yeah, Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. I mean, that's seven words. So that's probably one of the longest. Uh, and then we've got this thing that I referred to earlier on. Revolution, the Dutch Revolt, 1568 to 1648. So I technically did play it, even though we we played like 
I don't know, 1% of the game. Um, yeah, I'm just looking around the studio. Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles, it's only three words. Poplamarcus, Victorum, Oathsworn, Journey into the Deep Wood. It might be through the ages. Can anybody think, who's watching this live, of a game with a longer title than I've played? Monica's saying, uh, the original Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Baker Street Irregulars. Consulting Detective, Baker Street Irregulars. That's seven words as well. So it, ah, it's probably the first one. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, The Thames Murders and Other Cases. It might be that one. How many letters is that? Let me just look up. Thames Murders. Because originally it was just Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, here we go. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, colon, The Thames Murders and Other Cases. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine words and the Dampier Sand. So let's go with that one. I can't think of a game with a longer title that I've played. Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, The Thames Murders, and other cases. Right, there we go. I'm curious to know what yours is. What is the what is the game with the longest title that you've played? Um, next question from Dimitri. We all know about war games, uh, war games and where they come from, but how distant in time must a military conflict to become a theme for a war game? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, if you're asking my personal opinion on that, how long does it need to be for a military conflict before we get a game on it? I mean, I, I, I'm not the arbiter of that. I mean, for example, I would not want to see a board game right now about the war in Ukraine because the war in Ukraine is still going on. Um, but we have got ones. Um, what was the one about the Afghan war? Distant plane? Somebody saying a distant plane? A raid on Iran was out in months, says John. Okay, so there's a game. Oh, there is a game for Ukraine. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> Peter, who's a big war gamer, he's saying that there's no limit. Um, but there was one called Raid on Iran, which was out within months of the embassy siege. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it all depends. You know, if you're a publisher or a designer and you want to put a game out about a military conflict that's still going on, um, who's, who's for me to say? Um, but yeah. We do get a raid on Iran with Steve Jackson games in the 80s. Right. OK, not the 800s. <laughs> OK, the war in Iran, the war in Ukraine game is made by a Ukrainian company. Right. OK, I mean, that makes sense for them to do that. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, I, I don't think there is any any time limit um, between when something happens and and doing a game on it. Um, you know, whether that could be seen in bad taste or not i think it would seem in bad taste speaking of the ukrainian one if it was done by somebody other than a ukrainian publisher i think that might be seen badly next question from john uh when will i do another game of too many bones i mean the reality is not soon i'd love to i really would love to because i've got content for too many bones uh that i haven't looked at there's there's like a uh, the age of tyranny which is a campaign i think system that's in there I've not touched that. Um, Too Many Bones is a game that I've now not played in. I mean, is it is it now 18 months? When was it that I did? Because I said to myself in January of whatever year it was, and it might have been 2020, uh, that I'm going to play Too Many Bones once a month. And I was playing it every month and I kept it up for about six or seven months. And then I just ran out of steam because I was it was getting in the way of other things. And this is going back 
not wanting to be all negative about things, but this is going back to the things that I've said a few times already, is there just isn't enough time to play all of the games, and there isn't enough time to play the games that I do have as often as I would have liked. And yeah, I think it was January 2020, and the plan was that I was going to play Too Many Bones once a month, every month that year. And the reason why I did that is Too Many Bones was a game which every time I tried to play it, there was the learning curve, and then I just about managed to get to the top of that learning curve, and then I, and then I put it away. And then a few months later, I started again with the learning curve, and I was never actually getting comfortable with the game. And I thought the only way for me to fix this problem is for me to repeatedly play it. So yeah, every month for about six or seven months, I played Too Many Bones, uh, and it was great. And I was still on the learning curve, but I was getting more and more comfortable with the game the more I played it, which is a very typical thing with Chip Theory games. Every game that I've played from Chip Theory games has a big learning curve, has a steep hill, has lots of interactions with how things work. You'll make a million mistakes, but the more you know it and the more you play it, the more comfortable you will get with the game. So it's exactly the same with Cloudspire, exactly the same with Burn Cycle, exactly the same with Hoplomarchus Victorum. Um, but, and, and I remember that year, um, I really didn't want to stop playing. But as I say, even just playing it once a month was starting to impact on all of the other stuff that I need to do. Um, and I don't want to be in that situation. And I need to somehow change what I do with regards to my gameplay and habits so that I'm not in the situation where I don't have the flexibility to play something that I want to play. And a lot of that is cutting down the number of sponsored live playthroughs that I do. And I, I have been doing that. Um, I've been gradually cutting them down and I did a lot a few months ago and I realized it was too many. And just going back to the Patreon support again, this is effectively what the Patreon support is. Right now, and I'll be honest with you, this is going off at a little bit of a tangent, but right now with the money that I am making from the sponsored playthroughs that I do, that is not enough to keep the channel going, which is why I rely on the support of the Patreon. However, the Patreon support is actually going fairly well. It's, it's pretty good. Um, and therefore, I actually want to be saying no to more of the sponsored stuff and do more of the non-sponsored stuff. Now, that might sound crazy because if I've got a publisher contacting me and saying, hi, Paul, we'd like you to cover our game on your channel. We'll pay you to do it. We'll, we'll pay you to do a playthrough. Why wouldn't I say yes to that? Why wouldn't I? Because that's money. That's somebody offering me money to cover a game and do it on the channel. And the reason is, first of all, a lot of the people who contact me about that, I, I take a look at the game. Sometimes I ask my Patreon supporters, what do you think about this game? And in the last four or five weeks, I've turned down three playthroughs. Uh, they were happy to pay for it. And that was a combination of A, I think I'm already a bit too busy and I don't want to fit it in. And B, it didn't look like my kind of game or the kind of game that I would want to have on the channel. But that is because I'm restricting myself to a lower number of sponsored playthroughs than most other content creators. When I look at other content creators who are doing something similar to me, they are putting out three or four videos a week and most of them are sponsored. And I'm only putting out at most at the moment or what I want to be going forward one sponsored video a week. And I want to spend the rest of my time doing stuff that my patron supporters want to see and games that I want to play. Let's just bring the conversation back to Too Many Bones. The reason why I've gone off at a bit of a tangent is the Too Many, bone, the too many Bones videos that I did, 
took a huge amount of time and effort, a huge amount of preparation, planning, organization, and then the how, how many hours it was. Was it each one of those streams was three, four hours long? None of that was paid for. That was all done through, you know, unfunded. So it, it was patron support. Um, and that's great. It's great that I have the flexibility to do that. But in order to do that, I need to be saying no to more of the sponsored work. And that's that's kind of where I am with things now. You know, <clears throat> I'd love to be in a situation where I don't do any sponsored work whatsoever and I can just spend all my time playing games. I mean, that that's the dream, isn't it? Um, but I, I do have to keep doing some of the sponsored stuff in order to, you know, um, pay the bills, keep the lights on and buy more Millennium Falcons and things like that. Certainly pay for the cats. So anyway, so sorry, sorry for going off at a bit of a tangent, but you're you're you asking me whether I'm going to be playing too many bones. There, there's a lot of reasons between, you know, yes, of course I want to play too many bones. Here's the reason why I stopped playing too many bones, and here's the reason why I might not be able to go back to it. And the reality is, just touching on some of the other things that we've mentioned, there's a whole bunch of other games that I've talked about in in this video which I want to play more of. And whilst Too Many Bones is a game I do want to play more of, given the choice right now, Too Many Bones or Hoplomarchus Victorum. It would be Hoplomarchus Victorum every day of the week. Um, at the moment, because, not just because it's new and it's shiny, it's because I've really enjoyed the, the, the dipping of the toe into Hoplomarchus Victorum, and I want to dip my toe more into Hoplomarchus Victorum. Um, if, if, if things had gone better over these uh, these few days between Christmas and New Year, uh, there would be more streams of Hoplomarchus Victorum. I'd love to go back to it in the new year, but I need to get my January plans finalised first. As I mentioned earlier on, I've got videos for Cusco and Vienna to schedule in. I'm, ca I'm currently kind of panicking a little bit about those because I don't know when I'm going to fit them in. Um, but yeah, if I had the choice, I'd, I'd be doing, doing more fun playthroughs like that. Right. Well, that's it. We've reached the end of the live questions. So as no more questions come in, we normally go for about another 15 minutes. I'll tell you what, right, last chance for questions. If you've got any other questions you want to ask, ask them now. While we're waiting for any other questions to come in, I will just mention the contest again. If you missed it earlier on, I'm running a contest. You can win £50 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. And if you don't enter this contest because you think, well, I'm, I'm not in the UK, I can't enter. You can enter, okay? Uh, and you can win the £50 worth of Games Law vouchers. When we used to give away £25 worth of vouchers, it generally wasn't worth it for anybody overseas. Uh, but now that we've increased the vouchers to £50, then you can buy a decent game and with shipping and everything else. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, um, you can still enter. And all you need to do is go to the form. The secret word is gingerbread. Uh, thank you very much again to Board and Dice for the, uh, for the gingerbread recipe. How different was the gingerbread recipe to our gingerbread recipe? Is it pretty? Oh, it's a pre-mixed thing. Okay, so what they sent is they sent this big tub and it was all pre-mixed. But everything you did after that was the same then. Okay, not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, enter the contest. You can win £50 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. £25 of that is from Games Law. £25 is from me uh, as a thank you. And you've got until January the 23rd. So by midnight on January 23rd, that's when the contest closes. Right. Uh, so, a few more final questions. Excellent. Right. No more questions now then, unless you're typing it. If you're typing it, that's fine. 
So question from kids. Do the sponsored videos feel more like work than the non-sponsored? That's a really good question. So yes. Now, a non-sponsored video is still work. And it, it annoys me a little bit when somebody leaves a comment on one of my videos that I've done where they didn't like it for some reason. Uh, and they make reference. There was one left for me the other day. They said, uh, why are you bothering doing a video on a game if you don't know how to play it beforehand? You should be learning how to play the game before you do a video on it. Well, I'm very sorry, um, but that wasn't a paid for video. Okay. It was me and some friends and we wanted to play a game. So what we did is, these were the two videos that I did just before Christmas. I did Come Together and I did The Palaces of Carrara. And both of those videos were, here's Paul and some friends sitting down, learning how to play a game from the rule book, and then we're going to play it. And I made it very clear at the start of that video that that's what the video was about. So anybody watching it right at the start of the video would have gone, oh, wait a minute, this is Paul and his friends learning how to play a game from the rule book. I don't want to watch that type of video, so I won't watch it. Okay. And I make it very clear at the start of the video what type of video it is. However, there's still a lot of work that goes into that. Okay. Setting up the studio, setting up the cameras, setting up the lighting, scheduling who's coming around, what time they're coming around, all of that stuff. It's hours and hours and hours of preparation and everything else. And then doing the live stream is actually still quite hard work. And I didn't get paid anything to do that video whatsoever. I'm not complaining because I enjoy doing those and that's what I do. But I find it unfair when people criticize the video and what, what are they expecting me to do? They're expecting me to take, you know, one to two days of my time and learn how to play a game on my own time in order to do a video when it's not paid for. Sorry, but you know, if it was a sponsored video, I would put that preparation work in. Now, the reason why the sponsored videos are more stressful is because I've got to make sure I get everything right. If it's not a sponsored video, I don't mind. We get the rules wrong, we fix them, it's fine. It's just people playing a game. But if it's a sponsored video that the publisher has paid me money to help promote the game, I've got to make sure that I get it right. And I've got to make sure I get all of the camera angles right and it's in focus and all of those little things. Is the audio right? And I really worry about those things. So yeah, so a lot more extra pressure on me when it when it's a sponsored video. And that's another reason why I want to do fewer of those because I just, uh, I'm struggling with that, with that stress. Uh, last question for Monica. A game has canceled on Kickstarter, then they come back. How do you react to it? Uh, something special that will make me look into it some more. Um, so I'm I'm in the position, the lucky position, where I don't actually go out and back any games on Kickstarter uh, myself because I already have more games than I can cover uh, and I've got more games arriving all of the time. So it, it's a fortunate position to be in, uh, the role of a, of a content creator. And it does mean that, yeah, I, I don't go out and back things on Kickstarter really myself. But back in the day, before I did what I do now, uh, if a game was on Kickstarter and then cancelled, but they came back, how would I react to it? It depends on the reason for cancelling. Because there's a number of games that have been on Kickstarter, which I was involved in, that then got cancelled. Uh, because it didn't reach its funding goal, or you know there was, there was something wrong with it, and a lot of backers said, oh, it's way too expensive, or this, you need to change this. And sometimes 
if they cancel a Kickstarter and they go away and they learn from their mistakes and they come back with a new version and the game's successful, great. Right, absolutely fine with that. Sometimes they don't learn from it and they just cancel it and then come back anyway. Um, and they didn't really change anything. So how do I react to it? Do, I mean, does it make me look at it some more? It, it probably doesn't, because as I say, I don't, I don't don't generally do that but i'm curious this is this is a good conversation that i'd like to have on the on the slack channel maybe uh to find out what other people what other people's reactions are uh when it gets cancelled i'm assuming it's because of the um it's based on the reasons for cancelling it next question from chrissy do will you have any plans for hogmanay and any new year's eve traditions so yeah we do um we've got a new year's eve tradition that we've been doing now for about four years I want to say four years it might be five um is that we basically invite some friends around so we we have about eight to ten friends who come around uh vicky does food so vicky will spend she's planning all of the food tonight tonight is the night where vicky's got to decide what she's cooking and we, she normally cooks three main meals and three desserts and and some side stuff and she spends all day on the 30th preparing and cooking and then all day on the 31st preparing and cooking so it's basically two days of cooking and then everybody comes over at about six o'clock seven o'clock something like that uh, and we have lots of food and then we play some fun party games which is basically time's up just one so clover telestrations you know fun fun things like that um it's it's a it's a half social half party game kind of thing some people will play fewer games and they'll just sit around and chat uh, some people pl might play more games, but we don't play any um, anything other than the fun party games. And we've been doing that for the last few years um, and we enjoy it. And the people who come around, I think, enjoy it. So we don't have to pay them to come around. So, yeah, Rent a Friend has definitely gone up in price since COVID. Uh, James is asking, what games am I looking forward to playing next year, either that are coming out next year or that you haven't got around to playing this year? See the above. See all of the games that I mentioned earlier on. Um, I mean, let's talk about some of the ones I've already mentioned. ISS Vanguard. Very, very much looking forward to playing that. Um, Hoplomarchus Victorum. Very much looking forward to playing that. So they're, they're two, two of my existing games, which I am extremely looking forward to playing. Uh, Frosthaven I am also extremely looking forward to playing, but less so because I kind of already know what I'm getting with Frosthaven. It's Gloomhaven, but better. Um, but yeah, definitely ISS Vanguard. Definitely Hopla Marcus Victorum. I'm also looking forward to getting some replays of the games which I've only covered once. So Revive, um, Come Together, Atiwa, other games which I've got, which have come out recently, which I've played, which I really enjoyed, and I want to play them again. I really want to play them again. Um, so those. As far as the new games that are coming out next year, uh, I've got Cuzco and I've got Vienna, which are the two new games from the Stefan Feltitter collection. Other than that, oh, and Frostpunk. Frostpunk I want to play a lot more of this year, definitely. Uh, other than that, I'm not one of these content creators who does their, here's the top 10 games that I'm looking forward to next year. So I don't actually know what's coming out next year. I, I mean, some of them I've been involved in, uh, like Unconscious Mind. Just picking on Unconscious Mind randomly for a minute. I've played a prototype of Unconscious Mind. That was an early version. The game has changed. The game is still in development. I don't know when the game's coming out. But other than that, 
I actually don't have much knowledge of what games that are coming out next year that I'm allowed to talk about. Some of them, uh, certain games that are coming out from WizKids, for example, I'm under NDA. I can't talk about some of the games that are coming out from WizKids next year. Two of them in particular, I'm very, very excited about, but I can't talk about them. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's some things that I, I, I can't talk about that I'm looking forward to. There's other things that I already know I'm looking forward to, but there's there's not that many. And, I, you know, I might go and watch Rado's video on the top 10 most anticipated games for 2023 just to get an idea of what's actually coming out because he's somebody who's got his finger on the pulse a lot more than I have with regards to new releases. And those videos are always popular and get loads of views, but I can't do them because I, I don't have that knowledge. Um... Uh, Chris is already, ah, yes, right. What I did professionally before gaming rules. Yeah. I, I mean, Chris has already answered it, but I, I will mention it now. There is, I started a few years ago, probably about two years ago, I started a gaming rules FAQ. And the reason I started that is because I was getting asked the same question over and over again, every month in these live Q and A's. So what I did is I created this Here's, here's a list of the common questions that I get asked, but there's only like three questions in there. And since doing that, I don't actually get the questions asked then. But yeah, one of them is, what did I do professionally before gaming rules? It is a good question, but as Chrissy says, the answers to that are on the gaming rules FAQ. Uh, also, how do I get into working in the game industry? And what do I think about Star Trek Frontiers? I don't think there's any other questions that I used to get asked or that I get asked now on a regular basis. Oh, the IP. Yeah, I do get asked that now and again, but not enough, not enough to turn it into an FAQ. If you can think of any other questions for me to add to that FAQ, because it, it's very short um, <laughs> and it is just three questions, um, then please let me know. I'm more than happy to share information. These live Q and A's are great uh, and I can share a lot of information here, but if there's anything which you think I should add to that then I'm, I'm more than happy to add to that right let's wrap things up have we got any final questions chris has got a final question i can see it in the chat are you of a mind that you should play solo games with the most punishing option available against your plans or do you pick the easiest choice for me well that that is actually a good question so personally i always want to go for the easiest option in a game when i'm playing it for the first time um because i mean let's take frostpunk <laughs> Let's take Frostpunk as a really bad example because Frostpunk, Frostpunk needs an easier version. Frostpunk on the the normal difficulty setting of the game, I can't get very far. And somebody's actually sent me a message and they've responded and they said, Paul, here's some suggestions, here's some tweaks you can make to make it easier on your first play. But the reason why I want easy, certainly for my first play, is if it's a game like Frostpunk where you get to a certain point and you die, then I'm not experiencing the whole game. I have no idea what happens after round seven in Frostpunk. And I want to know. Um, but also in other games, if you set the goal so that it's unachievable, then you end up just struggling and never being able to get there. So I like to set the difficulty easy to start with and then ramp it up. If we take Endless Winter as the opposite example, um, Endless Winter, the solo mode that was included in the game was unfortunately just way too easy. Um, and I don't quite know the full details about how this happened, but an average score 
when I'm playing Endless Winter is about 120. That's that's the score that I seem to get. Generally speaking, within five or ten points, I get about 120. And the solo mode was scoring between 80 and 90 points. So for me, start with the solo mode. But then if I wait a minute, you scored 85 and I scored 120. There's, there's something not right there. So I will up the difficulty. But yeah, I don't want my games to be overly punishing in terms of how difficult it is to beat it with certain exceptions such as uh, such as such as frostpunk uh, will i do a hidden gems video for 2022 nope I, I i won't be doing that i don't do many of those videos um and i really struggle to put things together so i'm more than happy to talk to you about my hidden gems of this year rebuilding seattle and regicide but there's no way that i could put together a, a top 10 video of here's my top 10 hidden gems for this year because if i look through the list uh, and i'm more than happy to send it to you ask me james later on on slack tell me to send you a list of all of the, uh, all of the games that i've played this year and i'm more than happy to post that to my patron supporters on slack uh, and you will see that in there almost none of them are hidden gems they're all generally speaking well-known games um paul is saying it's a waste of a game space if 90 percent of players ne get, never get to experience it yep uh, any chance of the resumption of Arkham Horror the card game? Oh, yeah, Dave. Another game, like Too Many Bones, that um, I just I just really wanted to. And we had plans. We absolutely had plans to do another campaign. But then other stuff happened and everything just seemed to get out of control. Absolutely love the Arkham Horror card game. Haven't played it in ages. And we've covered it on the channel. We did, what, three full campaigns? We definitely did um, Forgotten Age. We definitely did Path to Carcosa. I've played Dunwich, and I think we might have done the first one. But yeah, we I've covered a lot of the Arkham Horror card game on the channel, and then not covered it for ages. I've not played it in such a long time. So yeah, I, I have a play group. Um, I, I I wouldn't struggle to find players. Whether I'd want to play with four again, I don't know, because every stream was about two and a half, three hours long. Some of them were a little bit long, so I'd probably look at either doing two or three players if I did it again. I don't think I'd like to play Arkham Horror solo, um, uh, even though it would probably go a lot quicker. And I don't know, I, I need to speak to people who are big fans of Arkham Horror. Is that, I mean, it does work as a solo game, but can they really play a campaign as a solo mode? I'm not sure. Uh, yes, thank you, Chrissy. If you've given, if you've liked the video, give it a thumbs up. If you don't like the video, still give it a thumbs up. Leave me a comment and tell me how much you disliked the video um <laughs> have i played marvel snap i haven't played marvel snap um there is a discord for patrons so yeah so we have a discord channel but it isn't used as other discord channels so we have a discord channel for gaming rules but it is basically like a venue with different rooms and different tables in so there is no active discussion going on on the discord channel that's that that's what we use slack for but we use the Discord server for when people want to meet up and play a game. So, for example, if we decided, oh, tonight we're going to play such and such a game on Board Game Arena, you know, we're going to play the crew on Board Game Arena tonight. I'll meet you on, in, on, on Table 4. And what you'll do is you'll go over to the Discord server, go to Table 4, and there's a voice chat on Table 4. So we use the Discord server for, well, we used it for the meetup uh, on Boxing Day and on Christmas Eve. And we use it when we're meeting up to play games, but we don't use it as an active discussion place. That's what the that's what the Slack channel is for. Um, and that's it. 
Yeah, but you could use Discord during the live stream. So what you're talking about is a voice chat for people to talk to each other while I'm live streaming. You're more than welcome to do that. If anybody, if anybody is a patron supporter who wants to do that, try it out. Next time I'm doing a live stream, what you could do is you could say, oh, Paul's doing a live stream. We'll see you in the live stream, but we'll also see you in table three or something like that. And you can have a you can have a verbal discussion there. Um, I think it probably would be better to keep it in the text chat here because then that shows up and everybody else can see it. But it's up to you. The Discord server is there for patron supporters. You can use it for whatever you want to use it. Um, as I say, it's mainly used for people uh, meeting up and playing games and using that for voice chat. Right, we're all done. So the plan for tonight is I'm going to be playing Frostpunk the computer. No, what am I doing tonight? <laughs> Vicky's nodding. Uh, no, there are other... Whilst I would like to have some fun tonight, there's a number of other house jobs on my list of things to do. And I will feel much better if I tick some of those things off my list of things to do rather than sitting and having fun playing a computer game. But Vicky's giving me a look. So who knows? I might be playing a computer game later on tonight. If I do, I will post about it on the Slack channel and it will very likely be a Patreon-only video. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're all done. Big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters. If you want to support the channel, if you like the content that I create, even if you don't like the content I create, but you want to give me some money to help me carry on making these videos, uh, patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Join the guild over on Board Game Geek. We've definitely got three questions on there. And you're more than welcome to use the guild for whatever you want to use it for. Um, the advantage of the guild over Slack is that the guild is permanent and obviously anybody else can join in. I do prefer the discussions on Slack because that's for patron supporters only, but the guild does have, uh, you know, questions that can be asked to a, to a wider audience. So the, so the guild's good for that. Uh, and don't forget, George B, if you're watching this video, you won last month's giveaway. Please get in contact with me. Um, and yeah, don't forget to enter the contest. You've got until January 23rd to enter the contest. Good luck with that. Couple of other things just before I disappear. My top 10 games of 2022 video went live earlier on today. Uh, if you're interested in seeing that, lots of other people are doing those top 10 videos at the moment. So please go and check that out. Just have a look on my channel. It is called the top 10 uh, board games of 2022. That's on the channel. And also in two days time or in three days time, the contest ends to win a copy of Starship Captains. So a completely different contest to the one that I'm running this. But uh, I did a live stream of Starship Captains a couple of weeks ago. And if you want to win a copy of Starship Captains, you can. You just need to go to that video. It's on the channel. It was a live stream, so you'll need to look for it under the live streams. Um, but basically, there is a link to the contest within that video. So, yeah, if you want to win a copy of Starship Captains, that contest closes at the end of the year. And I think we've only had about 40 people enter um, so far. So, yeah, that, that's all there. We're all done. Everything done? Everything good from your side? Vicky's giving me the nod. We're all go. Thank you very much for watching. I will be back. Uh, what am I doing? What day is it now? 28th, 30th. I will be back in two days time with a live stream of me rating my entire collection. Keep an eye on it. I don't know what time I'm going to be doing yet. Probably in the afternoon. But that thing that I said I was going to do last year, I'm going to be doing it in two days time. I am going to be rating every single game in my collection one by one. I don't know how far we're going to get, but that's happening in two days time. Uh, and that will be the last live stream that I do for this year. I've also got my top 10 best games of 2021, which is done. I filmed it. I just need to edit it. 
and that should be going live probably on December 31st. Hopefully, I really want to get that done before the end of the year. But yeah, that's everything. Thank you very much for watching. I will see everybody later on. Take care. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.